0: In fact, they even made it into a song. You may have heard the the saying, Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. As I looked at the last chapter and the end of Samson's life, I think it's a good summary of that chapter. In fact, if you have your copy of the scriptures, if you go... The Judges chapter 16 will be there today. This is the story that most people probably think about when they think about Samson, his time with a woman named Delilah. Now, interestingly enough, when you think about Samson's life, she's the only woman that is named. We don't know the name of his mother. We don't know the name of his wife. We don't know the name of the prostitute, but we know her name, Delilah. Lockyer described her pretty bluntly when he wrote, She stands out as one of the lowest, meanest women of the Bible, the female Judas of the Old Testament. Behind her beautiful face was a heart as dark as hell. That, beloved, is Delilah. But we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because we know that there were three women in Samson's life that were told about. We've already met and looked at his Philistine bride and we've already mentioned Delilah and we'll come to her in a moment. But in between those two women, there was the prostitute, there was the harlot of Gaza. Now, by now, I hope you're in Judges chapter 16. I want to begin here by just reading the first three verses as we work our way through the text. And it says in verse number one of Judges 16, Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went in to her. When the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. Verse 3 says, And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Now remember the saying we're thinking about today. The first part says sin will take you farther than you want to go. What in the world is Samson doing in Gaza? Gaza was about 40 miles from his home. Gaza was a seaport town. And and we're not told why Samson went to Gaza, but we are told what he did when he got there. Perhaps he went for some fun and fun he had. He goes into this harlot, but she's not the only one that knows that Samson is in town. The Gazites believe this is their chance to get Samson, to take him down, to kill him, to do away with him for once and all. They're going to wait until, you know, all night and then kill him at daylight. And then an amazing thing happens here, it says in the Scripture at midnight, Samson rises and he takes the city gate and he rips it up with the gate post and an incredible feat of strength, um, an incredible sight to behold. I would have loved to have been a fly on a fence post that night and just to watch this. But he didn't just take a door, he takes the whole gate, the whole contraption, puts it on his shoulder and walks out and carries it to the hill. It's another interesting uh, feat of strength, but obviously the Lord is graciously preserving Samson's life. I mean, his life is in jeopardy. They were going to kill him, but he rises, he rips out the gate, he carries it out, and he goes on with his life. Now, if only that were the end of the story, but it's not. Um, Samson is often led by lust, and this time he's sure, though, it's love. It's love! It's really love this time. Her name, who is it that he loved? A woman by the name of Delilah. Look with me again. We're back in chapter 16, this time at verse 4. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him. And find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us, watch this, will give you eleven hundred pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, "'If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, "'then I shall become weak and be like any other man.' "'So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, "'not yet dried, and she bound them with them. "'Now men were lying in wait and staying in her room. "'And she said to him, "'The Philistines are upon you, Samson!' But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire, so the secret of his strength was not known. Now you would think that'd be the end of the story, but it's not. Not with Samson. Verse 10 Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you've mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes, bound them with him, and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson! And men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off his arms like a thread. Verse 13. Delilah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the and of the loom. Said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart's not with me? You've mocked me these three times. You've not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head. For I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he's told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson! So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Now, i got to be honest with you. To me, this is one of the strangest scenes in all the Bible. It's one of the strangest accounts in all the Bible. You have to wonder, what was Samson thinking as this all takes place? Uh, but that's the problem. It was Robinson who said, when a man's hormones rule his life, his brain becomes disengaged. We don't think Samson really was thinking at this point. Perhaps that's what happened. Or maybe Samson, you know, you know Samson by now, maybe Samson saw this as a fun game. I mean, he, he was playing games with his lover. You know, he was, Delilah would tease him about his strength and he would kind of give a little lie and they would go through it and then they'd do it again and do it again. It's just a fun thing they were doing. But you know what they say, it's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Every time he lied about his source of strength, she tested to see if it were true. Now, if that happens one time, you think, well, whatever. But then the second time and then the third time, I mean, really? You, you would think that Samson would begin to wonder, is this lady just playing games or is she out to get me? Now, some observations real quick. There's so much here we can talk about, and I don't want to get lost in all of this. But there are those who believe that that Samson was not a bodybuilder type. I, I joke with you, I think, in the very first message that when we think of Samson, a lot of us think of the rock with long hair. But there may be the case that he is not the bodybuilder type, because if he were a muscular just, you know, rippled and shredded and just, you know, just, uh, you know, yeah, I'm here, you know. If that was him, then they probably wouldn't wonder where his great strength came from. They would say, look at his muscles. Look at his physique. I mean, he spends all his time in the gym. It, it could be that Samson was just an average, normal-looking fellow, which was mysterious. We don't know exactly what he looked like. Let me, let me note, secondly, with you in case you missed it, this was an enormous amount of money that they offered Delilah um, to find out where his strength came from. In fact, they tell me this is 550 years' worth of wages. 550 years' worth of wages. Each of the lords offered her 1,100 pieces of silver. There were five of them, so that would have been 5,500 pieces of silver they tell me 550 years of wages. And when Delilah saw that and she looked at the, the money and looked at Samson, the, the choice was obvious to her. She didn't care for Samson. Bring on the money, honey. Number three, it, it's interesting to get the various take on the, the commentators when it comes to the, the people, the men who were laying in wait in the room. And depending on how you were taught the story and what your Sunday school teacher may have shared. I don't know exactly what happened in the room each time that Samson would lie, and then she would say, The Philistines are upon you, and he would get up and break. You know, some see that the Philistines got up, and that Samson, he would break the bounds and he would kill all the people in the room. As I look at it, I think there's a possibility that maybe they didn't show themselves. They would just kind of wait and see what happened. Because, I mean, this is Samson, and they're not dumb. And so if he got up and he broke the bi- the bounds and the bowstrings and he tore out the baton and the loom, I, I, I kind of picture maybe they just kind of laid low and waited and saw what happened. But I may be wrong. We'll have to ask Samson, I guess, when we get to heaven. But then number four observation, Delilah took a page out of the Tim Knight Bride's playbook. Did you notice that? You remember his wife um, was trying to find out some things and trying to, to, to figure out some things and wanted to know that riddle so that they could get him with the riddle. And she pestered him day by day and wore him down and wore him down and wore him down and wore him down and, him down and cried and pouted. Oh, you know, just on and on and on. And Delilah took a page out of her playbook because it says that she went on and pestered him so much that his soul was vexed to death. And in case you're wondering what that means, that, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Uh, You know, Samson just wanted love. Samson just wanted joy. He just wanted peace. He just wanted happiness. It'll take you farther than you want to go, but likewise, it will keep you longer than you want to stay. His supposed love for Delilah kept Samson bound. He should have been out of there. He should have fled the scene. I mean, the very first time that he told her this lie, unless he thought it was just a game, maybe he did, I don't know. But, but then over and over and over again, everything he would tell her, she tried. You would think that he had any brain whatsoever. he said, you know what? This is probably not a safe place to be. But sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Finally, he did what I assume he thought he may never do. He told her the truth. He told her about his Nazarite vow. Remember, he was a Nazirite from the womb. And that involved, being a Nazirite involved, basically no grapes, no dead bodies, and no haircuts. That's kind of a summary of the Nazirite vow. As we studied the story, it seems that Samson had broken every part of the Nazarite vow. We assume that he did, because we looked at his stories and we've looked at things that he did, except for this part. It seems that he never did go to the barber shop. He never did cut his hair. In fact, it says he had seven strands here. And I got to remind you that the strength that he had was not in his hair. His strength came from the Lord. But the hair represented the covenant, the bond with the Lord that was his because of his Nazarite vow. He'd been separated from the womb, and that hair represented that bond with the Lord. In a real sense, as we read the story here, Samson chose Delilah over the Lord. I don't know that he was fully aware of that because sin will make you do dumb stuff. It will make you do dumb stuff. In fact, if you notice here at the end, after he reveals his heart and he tells her the truth, he falls asleep on Delilah's knees. A place I guess he thought was safe. He was comfortable, or maybe maybe she, I don't know, maybe she got him drunk. I don't know, maybe she gave him that. I don't know, but he's there on her knees in a very vulnerable place, and we come to one of the saddest verses to me in all the Bible. I mean, there are some sad verses, but this is one of them, verse 20. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. And here's the saddest part to me. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He didn't know. mean he wakes up. Talk about being startled awake, by the way. Every time the woman woke him up, the Philistines are upon you. This time he rouses himself. He says, I'll go out as before. He didn't realize the Lord had departed from him. The source of his strength was gone. The Lord had removed his presence and his empowerment from Samson, and he did not know it. It was old Theodore Epp from Back to the Bible at Beginning Days. He, he said that backsliding starts in such a subtle way that most of us are not aware of it. And many of us may be backslidden and may not realize it. Hmm. We just go about our lives as Christians. We have a little compromise here. We, we toy with some, some temptation there. We, we sin here. We sin there. We console ourselves. We rationalize and we continue on. And we don't realize that we are growing more and more spiritually cold. And our fellowship with the Lord has dried up. Because sin will take you farther than you want to go. We find it here, Samson's without his strength. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. He stayed one day too many with Delilah. But then we said what? Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. The next verse is a very sad one as well. Now I want you to think about Samson's life. This promised one, um, this judge, this Nazarite, going to begin to deliver God's people from the Philistines. God has blessed him in so many ways. God has empowered him in so many ways. And it says in verse 21, verse 21 says, then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. And brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters. And he became a grinder in the prison. It was old Vance Havner who said that Samson's last chapter. Was the story of binding. Blinding. And grinding. That's what Samson's days came down to. They put out his eyes. They blinded him. Here's God's mighty man. Here's this judge, this Nazarite. They put out his eyes. And look at where they brought him. It's very interesting. It says they brought him to Gaza. Do you remember Gaza? We started out today in Gaza. Remember he went and visited the prostitute in Gaza and they laid in wait to kill him and then he got up at midnight and ripped down the gate and carried it off in all of his power that the Lord gave him. And yet now look at him. He comes back, he's bound, he's blinded. They bring him through that same way into Gaza. And they put him at the menial task of grinding. Now, I always thought in my mind, you know, I could kind of see like a donkey or an animal walking around by round. But I said, no, this was probably too early for that. They hadn't started that. This would have been hand grinding of, of some sort. And so day by day, there he is. Samson, God's man, he's blinded, he's bound, and he's grinding away. Ever what that looked like? He grinds and grinds and grinds the, the grain, this menial task, one of the lowest tasks they could give him. You see, sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Look at what it cost Samson. It cost him his eyesight, it cost him his freedom, it cost him his strength. It cost him his fellowship with the Lord for a time so much. You know, Samson, I'm sure, thought he could handle it. Samson, I'm sure, thought, you know, I'll be victorious. I've always been victorious before. The Philistines hadn't got him so far. I'll shake myself free like at other times. But the Lord had departed. It wasn't Samson. It wasn't Samson's strength that made it through. It was the Lord. What must have gone through Samson's mind as he's there, he can't see anymore. He's bound. He's grinding away day by day. He's thinking about maybe his life. He's thinking about his choices. Maybe he's thinking about his godly heritage. He's thinking about all the advantages that he had. I don't know. So much potential. So many advantages. God had blessed him in so many ways. And look at where he is. I've got to remind you, God's not done. Our God is a gracious God. Our God is a good God. He's been good to Samson all along. He's not done with Samson. In fact, He hasn't given up on Samson. In fact, we know the Bible talks about in Hebrews the hall of faith. We read a name there. The name is Samson. In fact, we've been shocked to find that because when we look at Samson's life, a lot of us, we honestly we say, was this man even a follower of Jehovah? Look at the way he lived, and yet he's listed as a, a man of faith? Because there's a glimmer of hope even in the darkness as he's grinding away and groping along in the darkness. I want you to see it in the very next verse, verse 22. I love it, the way it's just kind of tucked in there. Verse 20 says, 22 says, However... However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Some commentators made the point and asked the question, why do you think the Philistines let that happen? Why would they overlook that? Don't you think they would have put him on a regimen, give Samson a haircut every month, give Samson a haircut every couple of weeks, shave him every day? I mean, if it's from his hair, that's the way they would have fall, I guess. But they oversaw that and overlooked that and, and didn't do that. And by the way, again, it's not the hair that, that is the key to his power. You see, Samson had quite a bit of time, I believe, to commune with Jehovah as he ground away day by day. And, and I'd like to believe here that as we look at his life and we know that he's a man of faith and he's given as an example of faith, that during this time of darkness and and humility and drudgery, that Samson communed with the Lord and got right with the Lord. Now we can look at Samson's life today and we can look at it in various ways. We can say, first of all, my, 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 what might have been? Can you imagine what Samson could have been if he had followed Jehovah wholeheartedly? Can you imagine what God could have done through him? That's true, but I want to take a different approach this morning. I believe we need to look at Samson, and then we need to look at ourselves. You see, this was never Samson's plan, the binding, the blinding, and the grinding. This is not what he had in mind when he went to Gaza. He was looking for a good time. He he wasn't looking to lose his life. This is not what he had in mind when he fell in love with this godless woman, Delilah. He was thinking about joy and happiness and pleasure. But here's the reality, beloved. Sin doesn't care what you have in mind. Sin is a horrible taskmaster. And sin will use you abuse you, and kill you. That's what sin does. That's what sin does. See, this is a warning for all of us. Samson's life especially is a warning to all of us to beware of sin. To beware of sin. And I think we need to heed and, and this warning like never before. We need to sound this warning like never before because we live in a sinful world. And temptation comes to us in all sorts of ways all the time. In fact, there are times it seems we can't even escape the temptation, but the Bible declares that there is an escape from temptation for the believer. It says there's no temptation that's taken us, but that we can have a way of escape because God always makes a way of escape for us. As a Christian, we don't have to sin. We choose to sin. We don't have to yield to temptation, but sometimes we do. Now I'm talking to believers. If you're not a believer today, you're bound in sin. The Bible says you're dead in sin. You can't do anything but sin. Because you can't do anything righteous, because all your righteousness are filthy rags. That's true for all of us. And if you don't know Christ, today's the day to turn from your sin and let Christ take your sin upon himself and to bear your sin and forgive you of your sin and give you eternal life. I encourage you to do that. But I'm talking to believers. We need to beware of sin. And it's so easy for us to slip into compromise to to let things go in our lives, to tolerate things we never would tolerate before. sometimes temptation's kind of like Delilah, and it keeps wearing on us and wearing on us, and day by day it's there. We ought to flee it if we can, but sometimes we're there, and we meet it every day, and we can't seem to get away from it at times and We're not careful. It can wear us down. We can yield to that sin. And by the way, can I just remind you that when temptation comes, it doesn't come in its worst possible light. It comes in the best possible light. And can I just remind you that sin is pleasurable? In fact, it says in the Scriptures about Moses in Hebrews 11 that He chose not to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See, sin is pleasurable for a season. It's pleasurable for a short time. But remember, sin is a horrible taskmaster. It doesn't show the full picture. It doesn't show the binding and the blinding and the grinding. It doesn't show the horror that comes with the sin. It doesn't show the death that can come because of the sin. Temptation comes. We've often likened it and we understand it as the fish down in the pond and you throw that bait out there and it looks good and the fish doesn't know there's a hook in that thing. It just looks good. And so they go to bite that night crawler or that bait, whatever, using artificial lure and, and you're there and you're casting and you're like temptation just looking for this Fish to bite. And they think, oh man, look at that. Room! But then you do what? You set the hook. And you reel them in. And you might have them for dinner. Or you might throw them back, but still, they didn't realize there was a hook. And that's the way sin works. That's the way temptation works. Delilah's here.
1: Oh, honey.
0: What's the part of your strength? And he tells her. Back and forth they go until one day he tells her the truth. They shave off his hair, they put it out his eyes, they bind him and take him back to Gaza to put him to grinding day in and day out. So, what do we do with this whole idea of temptation and sin? How do we beware of sin? I like this story, and I'll I'll close with it this morning. Herschel Ford told a story about a man by the name of Hanley Page. Now, Hanley Page, if you don't realize, he was a famous aviator. And he said that Page was on a flight to Arabia in a single-passenger plane of his day. This has been a long time ago. As he flew along, he heard a noise that he knew was the gnawing of a large rat on a vital piece of the plane's equipment. Let me just tell you, I don't care where you are, if you hear the sound of a gnawing gnat, that's disturbing. But if you're flying a plane and you hear a gnawing gnat, a rat gnawing gnats, a gnawing rat, if you hear a gnawing gnat, now that's really serious, a gnawing rat on a vital piece of equipment, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. It's a single passenger plane. Well, he didn't know where this rat was. But he kind of reflected and reckoned that a rat could not survive in high altitude. So here's what he did. He pointed the nose of his plane upward and he climbed and he climbed into the sky where breathing was even difficult for him as he flew the plane. And soon enough, you know what happened? The gnawing ceased. And when he landed that plane, he found a dead rat beneath the engine. Now, here's the lesson. Sin gnaws at our life. And if we're not careful, that sin can destroy our life, destroy our testimony, or even bring about death. So what do we need to do? We need to climb higher and higher with the Lord. We need to go upward. Now, the way we go upward is to do something like get down on our knees and cry out to God and ask for His help, to ask for His power, to ask for His strength, to ask for His grace, to ask for His mercy, to ask for His assistance to talk to Him about whatever the sin might be or the temptation might be that we're battling in our lives. If we have sinned, the right thing to do is 1 John 1, 9, to confess our sin. And it says He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. But if we're just battling the sin to go higher and higher until that rat dies. And we do that by humbling ourselves. Did you notice in the story of Samson, one of the features or characteristics of his life that seemed to be missing up to this point is humility. When you looked at Samson, the first thing that popped in your mind was not, wow, what a humble fellow he is. Wow, what a godly fellow he is. It really seems like up to this point, and by the way, I've got to tell you, come next week, because we've got to finish the story. But up to this point, Humility was really not much of a strong suit for Samson. It was all about Samson. You know, Samson even did everything he was on his own. Did you ever notice that? He didn't lead an army, he didn't get others. It was Samson, Samson, Samson. We need to humble ourselves. Admit that we are not strong enough. Admit that we need the Lord's help. Why? Because sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you want to pay. If you don't believe me, just go ask Samson. And he'll tell you, that's right. It will. So beware of sin. Would you bow with me? We have been pretty blunt about Samson. Let's get blunt about ourselves for a moment. What is God saying to you this morning? Are you playing around with sin? Are you in sin right now? Listen, Christian. Confess it, First 1 John 1, 1.9. Get right about it. Ask God's forgiveness. Ask His help to, to not be involved in that anymore. You say, oh, I can handle it. No, you can't. I can take care of it. No, you can't. Not without God's help. Right now, the right thing to do for you, the expedient thing to do right now is to confess that sin, agree with God with it, it's sin, and forsake it and put it away. And say, God, forgive me and help me. Rid, rid this from my life. Now, for others, it might be that you're battling temptation. You haven't actually sinned, but there's a temptation you're dealing with. The Bible promises that there's a way of escape. There always is. But don't put yourself in a place if you can help it or you're going to be tempted. But maybe you're in a place or in a situation saying, you know what? I- I'm dealing with this. I can't get away from it. I-, I don't want to yield to it, but it's every day. It's coming after me. Would you right now, would you humble yourself and ask God's help ask for His strength, His enablement, His his power to not yield to that sin. And would you mean it? Because if you mean it, He'll help you. So I don't know what God is saying to you today. I don't know what the Holy Spirit has put His finger on in your life. All I can say to you is this. Respond in obedience. Do it today. Right where you are. Whatever it is, get right about it. Maybe you need to flee. How much better if we'd read today Samson got up and ran out of Delilah's room and never came back? Maybe there's some things you need to go from your life. The Bible says make no provision for the flesh. You know what God is saying to you. Be obedient. I'm going to give you a few seconds there to pray. Talk to the Lord. Then I'll pray. Then we'll sing a song in closing. All right? Father, I want to thank you Then when you paint these portraits of these Bible characters, you paint them warts and all. You lay it out. You show the good, the bad, and the ugly. Thank you for not giving up on Samson and thank you for not giving up on us. We fail you so many times. We sin. We yield to temptation. We go forth and pride, thinking we can handle matters on our own. Father, forgive us. We humble ourselves today and we cry out to you as the Lord Jesus taught us to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because every day we face temptation. Every day we face evil. And the evil one loves to devour and destroy, to kill and to steal. So, Father, I pray that you would help us as a people to overcome sin, to overcome temptation, and live godly, righteous lives. And when we do sin, to quickly go to you and get matters right. Thank you, Lord. This is not the end of the story for Samson. Thank you, Lord. We can continue reading in the Bible and we get to Hebrews. And there he is in the hall of faith. Thank you for being a God that's so gracious and kind, not only to Samson, but also to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn today, and the altar's open, if there might be an additional need that you have. 439, Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus I come, Jesus I come. Into thy freedom. Gladness and light. Jesus, I come today. 439, would you stand with us as we sing 439, Jesus, I come. Mm -hmm.